Well, that was an awesome testimony, Becca. Where'd she go? She's, uh, well, anyways, I was thinking, you know, she's always the reluctant person. You know, try to get her to do stuff. No, I can't do that. And I don't have a testimony. I, that's what she said. I don't have a testimony. I've been a Christian all my life. That's what she told me. But you may have been a Christian all your life, and that's an awesome thing. Uh, but, yeah, it's just awesome how God can touch a person. And But if you don't know the Lord, that can be awesome to get to know the Lord today because the Lord's heart is open to people. And I just really want to thank the Lord for, you know, for my life, for how God saved me. And just hearing these testimonies, I hope it really stirs something in you if you don't know the Lord to find to find this God, to find this relationship with Him. And if you do know the Lord, I pray it stirs something in you to go and tell people about Him. Because that's really the, what the Lord is calling us into in this, in this season. I believe we're in a, God wants to bring a, a harvest of souls. Jesus said the harvest is there already. Don't say, you know, in four months there's going to be a harvest. He said there's one right now. That's what he said a long time ago. And he's still saying that today. And it's all around us, everywhere we go. We don't have to go somewhere special. We just go out the door and it's there. And it's good to go somewhere special. But it's also good just to go out your door and and love people right where they're at, and give them give them the love of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, I was going to read uh, Romans fourteen seventeen again. This is the I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and I want to do one more time on it. It says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So um, that's what. Uh, you know, God, I believe, wants to emphasize to to the believers today that the kingdom is not something we that we get out here. We we got the kingdom in us. We're carrying the kingdom, and what God wants to do is for the kingdom to be manifested. When literally, when you pray, "Lord, Your kingdom come," Jesus is the Lord's prayer that He taught us to pray. That really, you know, what that really means? It means kingdom manifest. It's not asking for the kingdom to come like it's never come before. It's asking for the kingdom to manifest. And when you pray it, you're, it's literally you're saying to God, really you're, making, you're asking God to let it manifest out of you, not through somebody else. It really should manifest out of you. And I think that's really what God really wants to, to teach the Christians is that we are carrying the kingdom. Now, um, when I was a little boy, uh, we lived in the country, and we had a well. And, it, you know, in those days, uh, wells, wells have these what they call submersible pumps now. The pump's down there at the bottom of the well in the water. But back in those days, the pump was up on the top. And the pump had to be primed, which means you had to pour water into the pump to get it going. That's what you had to do. So we always had a big jug of water because the pump would lose, what they would say, it would lose its prime, okay? And lots of times the pump would lose its prime when the power went off because what causes a pump, just, just in case you was wondering, what causes it to lose its prime is air. Air would get into it, and, and that kind of pump could not pump air and water, so it would lose its prime. And so you'd have to go out and pour water into it to get it pumping again. 
Well, I think a lot of Christians are like that. A lot of Christians lose their prime. They lose that you got it. You've got the kingdom in you. You got righteousness, peace, and joy in you, but it's not flowing. And so God uses different things to help you with your prime. You know, He does He does different things to help you get the pump primed. One of those things is, you know, just in your personal life, just, you know, reading the Bible or prayer, any kind of spiritual fellowship is really meant to help you prime your pump so the, what you have can begin to flow. That's, that's really, you know, and the way it's supposed to really work. That's really what, a lot of what church is really supposed to do is help people get their pumps primed get them into a place of flowing where they're not dependent on somebody else. How many people like to listen to a lot of preaching, podcasts and stuff? Raise your hand. You know, I used to do that and I realized, you know, I'm, just, I'm sort of always listening. I'm always trying to prime my pump with somebody else's stuff, so I decided, you know, I'm just going to cut myself off from that kind of thing. You know, just so I can learn how to tap in to what I have. Okay, now I'm not saying I'm against listening to preaching because if I it was, I could just tell y'all to go home and y'all don't need to be here. And you know what I'm saying? That would be kind of a bad thought. But I am saying this: you can't spend your life always gleaming in a field, right? At some point, you got to meet the owner of the field and marry the son of a gun and take over the field. That's what Ruth did. She started out gleaming because she was starving to death. But she didn't keep gleaming. And see, a lot of Christians are just gleamers. They're just gleaming from somebody else. And I think we should always gleam, be, have a heart to gleam, to be, what I mean by that, to be teachable and let people speak into our lives and be open to things. But at some point, people have got to be able to learn how to tap into what you already have in Christ. And that's really what God wants. That's what a Christian, well, how He wants to grow people up. It's where you're not depending on everybody else. In other words, um, you know, how many people like to listen to worship music a lot? Yeah, see, that's the same thing. Now, I'm not against listening to worship music. But I am saying this, i got to worship in me. You know, and it may not sound good. You know what I'm saying? And it may not look good. But I believe the Lord loves it. I really do. Now, I don't come here and do all that because y'all might not love it. You know. You probably wouldn't. I wouldn't love it if I was you anyway. But the Lord loves it. And so I'm not wanting to always depend on tapes. I don't want to come to church just depend on a worship team. I need a worship team to help me when I'm in a corporate setting. Huh? Tapes. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean. They're MB3s or whatever you call them now. But back, I grew up when there was tape. In fact, I grew up when there was eight tracks, man. I mean, I can remember people using reel-to-reels. I mean, these reel-to-reels, big old things. You know, I remember somebody getting a cassette tape, and we thought, that's idiotic. <laughs> what the heck is that? <laughs> Yeah, I remember vinyls. Remember vinyls? I'm not speaking against those things. I'm not speaking against 
But I am saying, I, I believe this is what Paul was trying to get to us here, is this is what the kingdom is about. It's not eating or drinking. It's not what you bring in. That's what he's saying. It's not, what you're, it's not like eating and drinking. It's not something coming from the outside. It's something coming from the inside. And God wants to teach us how to tap into that. And he said the first thing is, is righteousness. And I talked about righteousness, knowing that righteousness has nothing to do. I'm reviewing now. Righteousness has nothing to do. Let me say that one more time just in case you didn't get it. Nothing. Hear this. Nothing to do with your actions. Period. I don't care what anybody says. Righteousness, biblical righteousness, is being in right relationship with the Lord. Righteousness, we've been justified by faith in Christ. That's what righteousness is. Christians need to get that revelation. See, these are real, if you'll get a hold of these things that Paul was talking about here, righteousness, peace, and joy, it'll change your life. It'll change everything about you when you begin to walk in what true biblical righteousness is. It's not what you do, it's what he did. It's believing what he did. Believing that he put you in right relationship with God. And out of that will flow right things. Totally. And you see, I think the church needs a revelation of righteousness. If we need anything else in the church, we need a revelation of righteousness. People need to know. Because a lot of people are condemned in their heart constantly by the devil because they're not acting right. When the Lord gave us the blood to deal with the evil conscience that comes on our heart. So I just pray that people would get that you're righteous, but it's not flowing in you. I'm trying to prime your pump to get you to thinking that way. When you begin to start thinking that way and believing that way, your life will change. Well, righteousness, according to Romans 5.1, leads us to peace. We, we've been justified by faith. I can remember hearing people preach on stuff like this, and it was so like, duh, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to what they were saying because they were saying something that was profound. Okay? It was profound. It will change your life. It really will. Instead of just like thinking it's just doctrine or just theology, it's not that. It's life-changing. It's what the kingdom of God is. It's righteousness. It's peace. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. And those are meant to flow in you. And when we begin to grab hold of those in a reality in our life and begin to really believe, then your life will become what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom. These, that's what's going to be, you're going to be seeking. That's how you practically seek first the kingdom. It's not, and I want to make sure I say this over and over. It's not just healing and miracles. And signs and wonders. All those are awesome. I'm not... I'm not, saying those, I'm not saying not to go after those things on any day. We're doing that. But I am, saying, I am saying this. There's a big part of our lives, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that you're going to live in day in and day out that's going to change your life if you allow it. Does that make sense? The church should be really clamoring for that, just like they're clamoring for, for miracles, I think. So, um, anyways... Um, I wanted to talk about joy this morning uh, because I talked about righteousness and I talked about peace last week. Do anybody remember that? That Christ rules by peace. That's how He rules in your heart and that's how He expects you and I to make decisions. That's how we know the will of God is through, through that inward peace, what things we have peace about. 
And when people don't act peaceful, that means the kingdom of God is not working in their, in their lives. So peace also leads us into joy. Now, I was never an expert on joy. In fact, I went back through every message I ever preached in my entire life. And I, I, this is a secret. I keep records on everything I, I preach. From the first time I ever preached anything, I've got a record of everything I've ever talked about. And the reason I did that is because, well, I just sort of wanted to know what I was talking about, you know. But then later, people accused me of always talking about speaking in tongues or spiritual gifts, and I could prove to them that I wasn't always talking about it. I could just prove I did not talk about it. I talked about it two times in eight months, you know. But I might have thrown it in 99 times, <laughs> you know, but that wasn't the main thing. But I do love speaking in tongues. And I encourage you, if you don't speak in tongues, you are a candidate to speak in tongues. And I encourage everybody to speak in tongues as much as you can. You know, just, yeah, because it'll, it'll change your life. It'll just change your, it's an awesome gift. It's, it's, I don't care what anybody says. It's an awesome gift. Who cares what anybody says? The Bible says, Paul says he wishes everybody did. I mean, so dude, I mean, are you smarter than Paul? I mean, if you're not, just hush. If you are, then where's the Bible that you wrote? You know? <laughs> Anyways, I don't know why I'm saying that because I need to be finishing this message. Anyways, I believe joy is really important to the Christian. And I wanted to read John 15, 11. It said, this is what Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. My joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now that's what the Lord said. He, joy, Jesus wants us to be full of joy. That's, that's His view of Christianity is that his, He released His joy to us and He wants it to stay in us to operate in us so that we, it, it, we can be full of joy. Now, how many people believe that? That's good because that's what the Bible, just, you just read it in the Bible. All right, Nehemiah 8.10, uh, can we put that up there? It's a very interesting verse. This is when they were dedicating the, the wall uh, and, you know, it's Old Testament, but it says, People were weeping, and people were really weeping. Now, I think weeping's an awesome thing. How many people love to weep when the Lord touches you? You just feel weepy. That's a good thing. But there's also something else. There was a, this was a day they said to them, Go your way, eat and drink. Eat the fat. That, <laughs> eat the fat. Dude, I'm not eating no fat. <laughs> you know. But back in the day, that didn't mean just the, the, the white stuff on meat. You know. no, the best part of the meat, right? Drink the sweet and send portion to those for whom nothing is prepared. Isn't that powerful? It, that's, a, that's a salvation message right there. Those who have nobody, those who are not sitting at the table of the Lord. For this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow. Listen, do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isn't that powerful? For the joy of the Lord is your... See, there's really a time to weep, but there's also a time for joy. Okay? And when we begin to tap into the kingdom of God, 
we're going to realize we're in a time for joy. Doesn't mean you're not going to have some sorrowful nights and, and difficult days, but really God has called us to live a joyful life. Now, I thought when I read that, I'll be honest with you, I was a little perplexed. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My question to the Lord was this. Well, Lord, I thought that's what grace was. I thought grace was our strength, right? I mean, that was my first thought. Like, what's the deal with this joy thing? If joy is our strength, what's the deal? This is an interesting deal. If you go into the New Testament where the word joy is used about 60 times or it is spelled C-H-A-R-A, chara. And they also translate gladness and delight in the New Testament with that word. That word appears about 60 times in the New Testament. This is biblical facts. Okay? That's how you spell joy in the New Testament. C-H-A-R-A. You know how you spell grace in the New Testament? C-H-A-R-I-S. Isn't that interesting? In other words, joy and grace come from the same spiritual root. Okay? What most people think, and I think they're right, is joy is an expression of a grace-filled life. Joy is the expression of grace. A person who has a revelation of grace, a person who's walking in grace, a person who has this thing where they're not doing it, there's something else doing it called the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's no longer I, but, but Christ in me. It's when His life is working in me, the outcome of that should be joy. You see that? Y'all, do y'all see this? Okay, listen to me. Why are you so unjoyful then? Okay, this is my point for the church, is why are we unjoyful? Why don't we have joy? If we are grace people, if we believe that God is doing it in us, why are we so dogged and miserable? Why are we so unhappy? Why are we so down all the time? Why do we have long faces? Why don't we do what that says? Rejoice. The Lord's, the Lord's in a good mood. Let's, let's have a good time because God's doing something. We have to ask ourselves that. Are you all all right? Okay. Let me just tell you a couple more things about joy, if you can stand it. Number one, I wrote these down. Joy is not an emotion that can be forced, fabricated, or faked. In other words, you can't fake joy. You can't force joy. Joy is not something that you make happen. So that may be the reason you're not joyful today. Because there will be times in your life when you don't feel joyful. That's just, that's just the way it is. There's just going to be times when it's just not going to be there for you. You're not going to sense it. You're not going to feel it. And you can't act like you are joyful when you're really not. You can act happy when you're not happy, right? There's people that you think they're the happiest people in the world, but they're miserable when they get home. They're all happy in public, and they go home, and they're cursing and slapping their wives and you know, beating their kids. This is no kidding. I have a friend of mine who had a guy in his church for years, and the guy was beating his wife all this time, and he never knew it. I mean, physically beating her. And until the one day the guy had this breakdown and told him, you know, and he was stunned because he thought he was just this great guy. And Well, he was a great guy, except for he was beating his wife, right? I mean, his wife probably didn't think he was so great, you know? And so, you know, we can act happy 
but we can't act joyful. Joyful is something that really comes out of our hearts. Uh, the second thing is joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. Okay, that's James 1, 2 through 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In other words, you count it joy. You can be joyful, even though you don't have to fake it. You can be joyful. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, I'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. Uh, this is what he said in Colossians 1.24, Now I jo- rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. In other words, Paul had this enduring joy that regardless of what was happening in his life, he didn't, his joy was never diminished. He didn't allow his joy to be lost no matter what was going on in his life. And you think he went through some terrible stuff, but he still stayed joyful and still rejoiced in the middle of it. So, you know, even though we can't force joy and we can't act, act like joy, we can be joyful. It's, it's, you can be a joyful person. That's what he was trying to say to people. You can be a joyful person regardless. And the, re, the, thir- and the reason you can be joyful is joy comes from the Holy Spirit, not our own em- efforts or our vain imagination. Uh, Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Joy is supernatural. It's something the Holy Spirit wants to work into your life. Uh, Number four, joy comes through faith. That is, joy comes from believing God. Romans 15, 13. Listen to this. This is powerful. Now may the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with what? All joy and what? And peace in what? In believing. See, a lot of people are not living in joy because they don't believe. They're in unbelief. You're not believing right. And because you're not believing right, you've lost your joy. Do you see that? You're believing the wrong thing. You're believing a lie. You're believing a half-truth. And that affects your joy. And I love the way he says that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you see here you got... Hope, joy, peace, and the power of the Holy Spirit all tied together in your life. And it all hinges on on belief, what you believe. You see, if you'll believe the right things about the Lord, okay, hope will begin to arise in your heart. And when hope begins to arise in your heart, peace and joy begin to work in your heart. And when peace and joy begin to work, hope not only rises, it abounds in your life. You can be one of the most hopeful people there is. Are y'all okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay, number five. Joy comes when we feel secure in the Lord. This is really good. Joy comes when we feel secure in the Lord. If you feel insecure, you're not going to be joyful. No, security is very important to all of us. Every human being has a need for security. That's why the revelation of God as your father is important because that's one of the things he does. He makes you feel secure. That's what a dad in the natural does. I'm going to say, I've said this so many times I feel embarrassed saying it. I'll say it again because I've told my sons this. Is as a parent, as a father, if you'll do these three things for your children, you will be 100% successful. One is give them identity. Two, 
provide for them. Three, make them feel secure. Because that's what the Father does for us. He gives us our identity. He provides for us. And He gives us security. And that's how what He wants natural fathers to do for their family. Forget all this other junk that they, the world teaches you about children and what they need. They need this. They need that. that. No, they, no, they need identity. They need to be provided for and they need to feel secure. And the dad is the one who's supposed to do all that. He has the responsibility for making that happen in the home. And so if you're a dad today or a granddad, okay, because sort of granddad's sort of the guy behind the scenes making that happen when he doesn't see it happening always. Is that do that? Put focus on that and all this other stuff, you know, sports and daggone ballets and all that stuff. You want to make your kid well rounded and you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. Listen, that's fine and dandy, but if they're not, if they're not secure, if they're not being provided for, and if they're not getting an identity from the daddy in the house, Lord, have mercy, they're going to get it from the wrong place. They really are. Somebody at the ballet is going to tell your daughter they're gay. I'm just going to be honest with you. They're going to tell them something because you haven't told them. And they're going to probably start believing it because they may respect that person that's telling them that. You see what I'm saying? It's that, yeah, that's our job as, as parents. Well, anyway, I have a lot of passion about that because I was such a terrible daddy <laughs> at one time. But I'm not anymore. You know why you're a terrible daddy if you're a terrible daddy? It's because you don't have a revelation of God as your father. Once you get that, you'll become an awesome daddy because you'll be giving his nature to your children. All right, anyways, let me just read this. Psalm 4, 7 through 8. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that there, there, somebody else's grain and wine increase. Okay, that's prosperity. That's when things are going awesome. Okay, God has done something. And this is what it, the, the, the person, the psalmist said. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you, O Lord, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That word gladness, that's joy. You see, this person had joy because they found their security in the Lord. And they, instead of trying to find their security in the world, now, I wanted to read something uh, that this African man uh, said uh, a few years ago. His name's Suppressa, right? How do you say his last name, Marlon? Last name. Huh? <laughs> Holy. He's a, he's a uh, where does he come from? What country? Mozambique. He's a big, no, he ain't big. He's just a little skinny lanky guy who's raised a lot of people from the dead, literally, many people. And he, but <laughs> we went to see him at this church in South Carolina, me and Marlon and a few other people. And then he had this old cheap, dirty, you know, uh, Goodwill suit on. <laughs> That's why it didn't really fit him that good. I think it was green or something. You know, it just looked pitiful, and he, he was crazy, man. I mean, he was crazy. Y'all think some crazy stuff has been going on in this church, people have been here when the, when the Lord really has moved? He made us look like Presbyterians. <laughs> <laughs> he was hilariously crazy. I mean, he would get all over the top of you and 
the way he'd pray for you was just hilarious. But I'm telling you something, man, that guy had something in him that was amazing. When you got around him, you were so attracted to him because he was full of joy. I mean, he was, it just oozed out of him. It oozed out of his pores, just joy. And it just, you just loved him. That's how you feel. I, you know, I looked at the guy, and even though he looked ugly, he, looked, he was dressed ugly, he acted crazy. I loved him instantly. It was like, I want to be around this person. He's the most joyful, joyful person I've ever been around. And, but this is what he said. He said, you Americans have the largest homes, the biggest cars, and yet you're the most unhappy, critical, and medicated people on the planet. That's what he said. Because we're trying to find our security in something that can't give us security. We're trying to find our happiness in something that can't give us our happiness. And it's making us sick. It's destroying us. And here's this guy in a daggone Goodwill suit, skinny, you know, lanky. He wouldn't be, somebody would be picked as, you know, oh, that's a cool dude, you know, look at him. He'd be rejected by the world, but I'll tell you something, he had joy. He had something with the Lord that was amazing. In fact, when I was thinking about him, I thought, Marlon, give me his information. We've got to get him to this church. To come in here and just daggone, just make a daggone mess in this church. A joy mess. To help us tap into something, get this security from the Lord and find something in God instead of trying to find it in the world and what's going on in the world and why our jobs and our careers and our homes and our cars and all that stuff that's driving us into the ground and destroying us. And I mean, I'm not against homes and cars and stuff, but I am saying this, those things cannot give us what we need. The joy of the Lord can, though. The joy of the Lord can make you a very satisfied person. So joy comes when we feel secure in the Lord. Okay, number six. Y'all good? Joy comes when we live with purpose. Okay, joy comes when we live with purpose. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 11. There's so many things in the Bible about joy. I'm just giving a few today. It says, you will show me the path of life. The path of life, biblically, is this. It's a life of purpose. It's the life that God ordained for you to walk on. Paul said, I finished my course. It's uh, Some of the translation, my race, but it literally means my course. And he didn't say the course or the race. He's, it's, it's a personal course that God has ordained for every human being. That he's laid a course. Now, some of us may have parallel courses, you know, but God has given every purpose, person a purpose and a place to walk and how to walk that out and how to live that out. And, and when we begin to do that, when we begin to live that life that God designed, okay, when we begin to live that life, that's where we can begin to come into joy. All right, let me just say this. I think a lot of people drink and smoke and fornicate or commit adultery because they're not joyful. They don't feel fulfilled inside. Okay? Now, that's just what I really believe. I know before I knew the Lord, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for this thing in me that would satisfy this thing in me. And so I did all these things on the outside 
trying to get something from the outside to satisfy me. Well, here's what you can do. You can get, become a Christian and you try to do the Christian things that will satisfy you. Okay? Oh, well, so, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a preacher and that's going to make me happy. Well, no, it's not going to make you happy to be a preacher. If you think it will, you're just making a bill. Oh, it's going to make me happy to do worship like Jacob. No, I'll tell you what, it won't make you happy. If that's what you're trying to do is get happiness and get fulfillment out of doing that stuff, it will not fulfill you. In fact, you know what will happen? People will just come and just bang you down into the ground. They'll stomp, on, stomp you into the dirt, you know, and think they're doing you a favor. Because God says the kingdom of God is within you. It has to, joy has to come out from in you, not from out here. You think you're a girl, or if you're a girl, a guy is going to make you happy? You think that? No, I'm going to promise you, they're going to make you, they ain't going to fulfill your life. In fact, they're going to cost you money. <laughs> they're going to keep you from doing the stuff you want to do, I promise you. And then you're going to have kids, and they're going to take all your money. And they're going to tear your house down. And you're going to be daggone wondering what the heck happened to my life. And I'm fat and I'm in daggone t-shirts are crummy because they got all the money for the clothes. <laughs> Just tell me how you feel sometimes. All my dreams has got flushed out in the commode because I got these kids that need to be fed. And I got these kids that need a home and need somebody to speak into their life and tell them that they're awesome and tell them who they are. And you have to find a new purpose. Being a father, that's a great purpose, isn't it? <laughs> Anyways, I'm just saying all those things are blessings, but if we're trying to get fulfilled through another person, through our family, through our job, through our ministry, you know, through our talents, through our gifts, I'm just saying that none of that's going to work for us. It's what's inside of you that's going to do that for you. And once you tap into that and it begins to flow in you, all those things are just like icing on the cake for you. They're just a blessing to you. You know, they're just a blessing to you. You have shown me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that's what joy feels like. It feels like pleasure inside of you. That's, that's how I can best describe joy. Is there's an inward pleasure. In, there's something in you that feels pleasurable to you. you can, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Okay? Because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, the presence of the Lord can come into your life the way He wants to come into your life. And you know what? The presence of the Lord is the most important thing there is. It's, the, it's the, the non-negotiable, right? How many people in their life you would say, that's your one non-negotiable? You know, like, okay, this is the way it is at River Life. We'll give away lots of things. Oh, well, we can quit doing worship like this. We can do it another way. I'm serious. Yeah, we can do quit doing church like this. We can turn the building around. We'll flip it around and look back there. I mean, we, quit, we can quit doing missions. I mean, we can quit doing a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things I say, yeah, we'll, we'll give that up. Yeah, that's fine. We'll get it. But when it comes down to the presence of the Lord, here's what I feel. I'm not giving that up. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I feel like that's the most important thing there is on this earth. 
is God's presence. And I just feel like I would, I, would do, I would not give that away for nothing. I'm not willing to negotiate away for money, for success, for people's applause, or any of that. None of that's worth it to me. I would rather be sitting in my house with the presence of the God, just me and God, and my, me, my wife, the people that God's given me, than be a millionaire, miserable. You know? And I think that's what God wants for all of us, is to have that heart where His presence is our number one thing in life. And then everything else adds up. Missions is important. Worship's important. Preaching's important. You know, evangelism's important. All those things are important, but they're nothing apart from His presence. They're nothing apart from His presence. And we really need to become people who are intentional about His presence. I mean, intentional about that. We're making conscious decisions in our life based on the presence of the Lord. In other words, I mean, this is the way it is. You should be making decisions. I believe this for everybody. This is how David did it. This is how Jesus did it. They made decisions about their life based on the presence of God. Not based on anything. That was their number one thought. How does this affect the presence of the Lord in my life? Is God on this? If God is on this, then I'll do that. But if He's not on it, I don't give a rip. I'm not doing it. Are you all okay? Yeah. And so I want to, I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Amen. In your presence is fullness of joy. Joy comes when we experience God's presence. We experience His pleasure. He pleasures at His right hand. God wants, God is a God who wants us to be, to have a pleasurable life, to experience His pleasure, to experience joy, to be fulfilled in our life, to feel like we're, what we're doing, there's purpose in it and there's, there's a reason I'm here on this earth. God put me here. I'm not here just because I was born, because my mom and daddy got together. God had ordained me to be here. He thought about me. He formed me. He says, he says to Jeremiah, before, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. That's Jeremiah 1.5. And everybody in this room, you could put your name on it. The Lord could say to you, before, before I formed you in your mama's womb I knew you I knew you I formed you don't don't God deserve an opportunity in our lives does he not deserve this doesn't God deserve to be the most important thing because he says I formed you I knew you I decided what your life was going to be what kind of Christianity says something else is going to make our decisions for us what kind of Christianity is that? That is not the Bible. That's not what it, way it's supposed to be. God deserves to be the center of our lives. He deserves every decision we make for Him to be in, that He is considered because He formed you Job said this is what Job said Job I think I forget what chapter it is but it's verse 8 that said that God's hand made me God's hand made me that's what Job said every person I, I, this is what I want you to know this morning everybody in this room God has touched you God has had His hands on you. When you was being in your womb, God took personal attention about you and put His hand on you. 
You know? He did that. He's God. He's the Holy Spirit's God. He deserves for us to honor Him. He deserves, he deserves places where He is the most important person that comes into the room. And when He comes in the room and we're all saying blue, 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 and He's saying no, green. Oh, green, green, green. He deserves that. He deserves, deserves that in the earth. And when we begin to live that life, that's when that joy can get really released. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, that's what He was talking about. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Your food will be added to you. Your clothing will be added to you. Your children's you know, finances will be added to you. Everything will be added to you. If That's what Jesus said. If you'll seek first, if you'll make, make the king... Make Him and His kingdom the most important factor in your life, the most important thing in your life. Make His presence the most important thing in your life. And God said, I promise you, if you'll do that, all these things will work out for the best for you.